Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. It's time, and uh, we're going to talk about a few things over the next three weeks. So I'm glad you're here. I bless you. For those of you that are home folks, always good to see you. Those that are watching online this morning, bless you. We love you. We miss you, and uh, can't wait to see you soon. For those of you that are visiting with us today, it's always an honor to have uh, folks that will come and, and uh, at least check us out. Find out if we might be somebody that's worth walking with. So uh, uh, we bless you today. Pray that you will be encouraged by being here, strengthened. And uh, this morning, I'm going to start a message. Pastor Jamie's going to tag team with me next week. And, uh, and then I will be back for the third week. Uh, next week, uh, I will, Suzanne, I will actually be uh, down in Tampa uh, ministering to Lifesong Church today. Pastor Savannah and Katie are celebrating their fifth anniversary as Lifesong Church. And uh, we bless them. Pastor Savannah called me this morning and uh, we had a good time talking, rejoicing. And uh, Suzanne, I look forward to going down there uh, with and being with them next week. They're doing a great job and uh, they are being faithful. Uh, they are uh, so Ben said that uh, he has come to the reality that being the senior pastor, the lead pastor, uh, the head janitor, everything that comes with being a pastor of the church he pastors is the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. We started out talking about golf and uh, how difficult golf was. And he said, well, pastor, there's only one thing I've found to be more difficult than golf, and, and that's pastoring. But uh, he has a grace, and he has no quit in him. Him and Katie are doing a great job. And uh, I told him he just needs a great group of people like I have, and then it won't be such a difficult task. And uh, But you people are incredible. And uh, 34 years we've been walking together, most of us, some of us, a few of us. And uh, you, as scripture says, uh, make it a delight to our heart uh, to bring the word, to preach the word most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. And uh, all the time I love you. Uh, most of the time I like you. And uh, just being honest, all right? So uh, you guys are great. Thank you. I want to honor everybody that's working out of these doors back there, especially when I go along like we did last week. All those working in preschool and jam, man, they were back there just blessing Pastor George with all sorts of blessings. I believe that. I'm prophesying that that's what they were declaring, and they were prepared for overtime. And uh, so we went overtime last week, and I honor all of those that work uh, on a weekly basis back there serving our children so that uh, you can, uh, with some degree of quietness, be able to meditate and think on the word of the Lord. There's nothing like a one screaming baby in the middle of a big, quiet auditorium where everybody's trying to hear the word of God, isn't it? It's, but uh, we all have kids, and I love the sound of that life. I just love it outside the doors. And so we have ushers that help folks find uh, a quiet place where they can take their little ones. So I honor all the ushers, all the guys by there. Why don't you just put your hands together for everybody that's serving in our house because we, we could not do it without all these incredible guys. And uh, last thing before I get into the word this morning, I know last week uh, we gave you the seed offering count, uh, but people were chasing me. As I walked off the stage and out the back door, I was being chased down by people who had not got their checks in. So uh, I decided we would give you one last count of our fall seed offering, and then we're cutting it off, and it'll be pushed to uh, the spring seed offering. But uh, it wrapped up this year at 200 and, come on, throw it up there. There it is. It's coming. $45,998.88. Amen, amen. You guys are amazing. Climbed about $14,000 after we 
closed service last Sunday. So thank all of you that uh, sow and give. Uh, I We're just a little under a half a million dollars in our seed offering for 2021. And uh, at 20% of that going to missions, um, that is, we're very excited about the opportunity to touch so many lives and bless so many um, and on behalf of all those folks that we support, both here in Gainesville, domestically, and around the world, thank all of you for your faithfulness to give and to sow into the kingdom of God. All right, it's time for me to get in the Word. So open up your Bibles uh, to the book of Ecclesiastes. Wow. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be there for about two seconds, And uh, but as I was meditating over the last uh, several weeks, actually about seven weeks um, ago, uh, Holy Spirit started putting in my heart that uh, we were coming to a place where uh, as a people and as a church and as pastors, as the leadership of our team, um, that we needed to be uh, not afraid to talk about things that needed to be talked about, many things that have uh, most pastors have stayed away from for, uh, I've stayed away from politics pretty much my whole entire ministry, and I'm not getting into politics uh, in this series of messages, even though I will touch on political things. And, uh, but I'm not standing up here today to try to, you know, if I'm trying, if I want to do anything, it's to not be divisive, uh, but to challenge all of us to really uh, know what we do and why we do it and be moved by the spirit of the living Christ and the conviction of God and not by what mama did or grandmama did or what my, you know, what party my dad was in. You have to side with God. Okay, more than eight of you got to say amen or I'm going to stay here a little while. You got to side with God. You got to find out what God's word has to say. And then it doesn't matter if it's Democratic or Republican or Independent or whatever else you want to name it. You got to get on the side of God. You got to be on God's side every time. Therefore, that causes us especially in, in this day and hour. We're, we're living in a time right now that two years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, every one of us would have been convinced the day we're living in would never happen in America. But it has. We're living in crazy times. I, I flipped on, I, you know, I, I don't watch hardly any TV news. I actually, the other night, watched some stuff with Suzanne for a couple of hours and uh, uh, and then ask the Lord to cleanse my mind so I could go to sleep, you know, I mean, because it's just, it's just so much negative stuff. I mean, even the factual stuff is negative stuff. Like, like I flipped over on one, uh, internet, uh, one article that uh, popped up on my uh, computer, and uh, it was about the law that the, that the governor of uh, California and the mayor of San Francisco are trying to put into place where all children from five and up have to be vaccinated or they can't go to a restaurant, they can't go to a ball game, they can't go to any kind of social gathering without a vaccination card. First of all, what world are we living in? So we have to know what time it is. Ecclesiastes, and the reason I just grabbed this because it's just a great little verse. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And then you know the rest of it. It goes through all the time to, uh, time to be born, time to die, time to, you know, everything. There's a time for everything. And there really is. And, and so as I meditated on that six, seven weeks ago, I started thinking, that, you know, we as, as the leadership of this church and we as the church, in a lot of ways, uh, we have to be willing to stand up by the Spirit of the Lord and declare the words that will cause us to at least bow our knee and say, God, what do I need to know? And how do I need to live? And how does what I know affect, or how will it affect, 
my children's children. Yesterday, our leadership of our country voted in a trillion-plus dollar debt that my grandchildren's children will still be paying for. A debt that's like a noose around our necks. They were so happy, joyful. They're not paying for it. We are. Debt in the Word of God is never a God thing. We're to owe no man anything. Who is it that our country owes? China? How's your Mandarin? Mine's pretty bad. <laughs> I can't hardly find the bathroom. Because it's just like when you say, well, you know, I own my house and my car. Do you own your house <laughs> and your car? Or does the bank own your house and your uncle owns your car? And either one of them can take it back whenever they want. So it's time not to live in fear. Matter of fact, let me... Let me just go to my notes and tell you where I want to start this message. At some point, I'm going to pass the baton to Jamie, and I'm going to let him clarify all this next Sunday. <laughs> and Jamie and I haven't even talked about uh, mine or what he's going to be declaring, but I trust him emphatically. First of all, it's time to make sure that we put God first in our life. Amen? Come on, can you be in agreement about that? We, we're going to put God first in our life. That means seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, Jesus said, it's all really summed up in this little thing. That's why I talked about a while ago as we prepared to pray. People don't care about, about a God. But when it gets personal, when everything about your life, Suzanne and I, we twice this week I've been asked from strangers about how long I've been married and I was with another guy who shared how long he had been married, a lot older than I am and, and uh, he had been married less than uh, time, almost 10 years less than Suzanne and I so I figured he was either uh, you know, on a second or third marriage um, but we, we had a good chat but he was talking about what him and his wife, this wife do together and uh, and I realized where he went with this question. My first thought was everything about mine and Suzanne's life is kingdom. It is, is Jesus. Jesus is the core of everything that we have in our marriage. 42 years. Have we been married that long? Wow, 42 years. I didn't even know I was that old. 42. But what is the what is the heartbeat of your marriage? I'm telling you, outside of the kingdom of God and ministry, Suzanne and I are so opposites, it's not even funny. I mean, we're just naturally opposites. We, we, we do like to drink coffee together. Either I bring her coffee in bed in the morning, come on somebody, or she brings me coffee to bed in the morning. That's a good combination, isn't it? And whoever's up first out having their devotion somewhere else in the house uh, will get a text from the one who's still in bed. And it's, it's, not, it's not super, you know, fancy or anything. It's just coffee, please. <laughs> coffee, please. And that's all you got to say. Saturday, I was out making a fire when I got the coffee, please. So I was a half a minute late getting to the machine. And, and so as I'm walking into the room, she's in there in her pajamas, but she's putting her robe on and she's heading out because she thought I either didn't get the text or once or twice I have been known during my devotions to fall back asleep <laughs> after my double espresso. 
Come on, somebody. It's nothing like a double espresso just to calm you down. I have been known to have been found asleep on the green chair in the sunroom out after my double espresso. But but I said, no, baby, I was taking care of something. And so she went back to bed and I brought her coffee to her in bed. That's a that's a, a good thing. But could you imagine if that's all we had in our marriage? We like to ride bikes together. And we don't often get to do that. Whenever we go out of town, if we're going somewhere where there's flat land, I'll put the little bike trailer and we'll take the bikes. And we try to ride every day. And sometimes we get to ride way more when we're out of town than in town. Because in town where we live, there's, a little, there's some hills. And, you know, we're, we're flatliners. We're, we're, we're flat, not liners. We haven't flatlined. <laughs> we still have life. We're flat. We're flatlanders. We're flatlanders. Is that right? All right, we're flatlanders. I did not want to flatline. I've got years left. I'm, I will live and not die, says the Lord. Amen. I, I got some purpose. And we like doing missions together as long as it's in Cuba. Because she don't want to go anywhere else I go. How do you want to go to Jamaica? No, been there. You want to go back to China? No, way too far. I mean, she just loves Cuba. I mean, she loves it. But... We don't have a lot of other things that, that in the natural that join us. But we have never felt disjointed because Christ is the central theme of our marriage. It, it is why we live. It's what our purpose. We, we, we love doing the will of God together. So number one, it's time that we make sure that God is first and foremost in our life. Number two, it's time to receive Jesus, not only as Savior of our life, but as Lord of our life. Lordship. And, I, and one part of me just wants to hang out here for an hour and talk about what Lordship is. Because it's so much more than, than that just Jesus is my Savior. Because Jesus is my Savior, I do my own thing. I come to church when I want, stay home when I want, go wherever I want, do whatever I want, spend my money on whatever I want. I just want to make sure I go to heaven. Nobody in this room wants to go to hell. And nobody's ever told you to go to hell wants to go to hell themselves. Not, not if they have just an inkling of what hell will be like. Hell's going to be horrible for a lot of reasons, but number one reason, it's going to be horrible because God will not be there. His presence will no longer be there. They will get their number one request in life, leave me alone. I got relatives that just want God out of the picture. And I said, he's not going to force you to love him. He'll love you unconditionally until. But Jesus being Lord of your life is a surrender to everything that the Father has plans for your life. So that when you as a single person or you as a married husband or a married wife or a, a, a young person, a young adult, uh, under the authority of your parents or whomever, everybody's under somebody's authority, whether you know it or not. But to be under the authority of Christ in me, Christ in me, look here, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Is there anything in you that's the hope of glory? Not outside of Christ. Is there anything good in you that's worthy outside of Christ? No. Everybody in this room has wicked flesh, wicked thoughts, wicked intentions until Jesus cleanses you, washes you, renews you. And you begin to surrender to that place in Christ every day. Lord, your lordship is what I want in my life. To, to, to surrender, to say yes, Lord, to whatever it is that he's wanting to do and accomplish in my life. And I, I'm just going to come back here soon, and we're going to spend some time on this. Time to receive Jesus as Savior and as Lord of your life. And number three, it's time to receive the Holy Spirit and to make a place for Him 
not as a visitor in your life, but as one who's come to dwell, come to live in you. Holy Spirit, I need you today. Every morning, Holy Spirit, I'm about to read the Word of God, and without you, sometimes it's boring. And I've been in Ezekiel. Where y'all been? Anybody been in a book this week that's just, you just need the Holy Spirit? Man, I've been in Ezekiel where God, woo! I'm like, Lord Jesus, those poor people that lived back then, they didn't have a chance because their flesh was indeed wicked and evil. And God kept calling them to holiness, but the only way they could get holy was they had to go find the priest, uh, bring some animals, kill them, and then and the animals had to be clean and spotless. You know, when we watched that little 15-minute clip, I think we watched it last Christmas, uh, that the uh, Dallas Jenkins uh, did for his church a few years ago that kind of birthed the Chosen series. Um, one of the things that just jumped out of that little 15-minute little video clip was when the crippled guy with a rope around his little lamb and he's dragging it into the town to give it to the priest. And the priest picks it up and he doesn't look at the crippled man or his sin. He looks at the lamb that had a blemish. And he said, he yells at him. How dare you bring a blemished lamb to be slaughtered? Wow, see, it wasn't, it wasn't the crippled guy's sin. And, and at the end of the, of the little movie, when the crippled guy goes in to the corral and sees Jesus, and he brightens up and lightens up, and, and they and all the other shepherds begin to run back to the town to tell everyone, the one we've been waiting for is here. And he runs past the priest, and the priest looks at him sarcastically and says, have you, have you found the one? And that's kind of how the little movie clip ends, as, as he had found the one that would be without spot or wrinkle or blemish. He found what you and I have found. He found the Christ. Back then, they had to make sacrifice every day for every sin. How many of y'all would be tired? Just from dragging your lambs. Man, thank you, Jesus. I'm a New Testament pastor instead of an Old Testament priest. Because <laughs> the thought of having to deal with all your sins on top of mine. But that was the Old Covenant. But the New Covenant. We have God the Father. We have the Son. And we have the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on to live right here in us. So it's time to make sure that those three are lined up properly in our life so, so that what we do is not religious. So our gathering on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or, or Friday night or Saturday morning or Thursday morning with whatever group of ladies you meet with or Tuesday morning, whatever group of men you meet with or whatever prayer group you meet with, that, that what we're doing is not going to fulfill a religious event. It's time to acknowledge that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High, the Living God, the Great I Am, Jesus the Christ, the Redeemer of the world, the Redeemer Redeemer of our nation, the Redeemer of my soul, and I have the Holy Spirit to empower me to do and to be whatever it is that I'm called to do and to be. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit, the person. And so every morning I welcome him, Holy Spirit, whoo, today I need you. For those of you that were not able to be here Wednesday night or you did not get the uh, E-line that went out on Thursday afternoon, or you got it and you didn't open it. Uh, I had the joy Thursday, uh, on, excuse me, Wednesday night of sharing a testimony, my latest 
uh, testimony in my journey of faith uh, here at the house. And it truly uh, is a very exciting um, time. It's, a, it's an exciting testimony. My battle's not over. My journey's not over. But every once in a while in the middle of the battle, isn't it good when God just dumps some really good stuff on you and you go, that has to be God. I mean, that's a God thing right there. And to get good numbers after two years of bad numbers, and four or five months ago, disappointing numbers, and then all of a sudden, you know, to have the doctor say, wow, great, this is good. It's like, hold it. What did you just say, doc? My precious doctor, I love my doctor too. I pray over my doctor all the time. But, but... But he said, he's, he, I had handed him papers that I'd been carrying around for two weeks from the hospital in Little Rock that the doctor gave me. But he didn't explain it to Suzanne. <laughs> what it means, I'm carrying around good news, but don't know it. That's how, ooh, that'll preach right there. Oh, my sweet Lord, that'll preach. Some of y'all got your big Bible sitting up in your dash of your car and you don't even know the blessing that God has given you in that Bible because you're just carrying it around for show. You don't know. You got some good news. I was carrying around good news. Didn't know it. Sometimes, you see, we need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us. As we open up the Word of God, this is what he says. This, it's time. It's time not to live in fear, not to be afraid. Church, hear me, as believers, I reject every spirit of fear and anxiety and demonic devils of hell that would try to get into this room, into your life, into your marriage, into your home, into your children. I reject every lying spirit that comes from the news and from the news agencies that say you have to be fearful, you have to be afraid because this is what's going to happen. No, it's not. Trust God. Trust God. I don't know why I'm walking through what I'm walking through, and I need no explanation from God, and he has no reason to give it to me. But this I know. In the middle of being diagnosed with an incurable disease, God's given me so many doors of opportunity to share the good news of Jesus that I would have never had had I just been walking like I had always walked. Is that why? I don't know. I'm just using it as an opportunity. God's faithful. And in the midst of these two years, I've come to grip with, as a believer, whether I am fighting cancer or fighting the fear that the world is saying I should be walking in because COVID's going to get you. That's a lie from hell. See, either God is God, bigger than cancer, bigger than COVID. You say, yeah, but I know some people, I know some family, I have some friends. Look, we all know somebody, we all know, I I know of a lot of people that love Jesus like I do that are bound up in prison today overseas in third world countries. But I'm not going to walk around in fear that it's going to happen to me. If it ever happens to me, It'll probably be out of this country and another nation. And if it ever happens to me, I I trust that I will walk in the same grace of all of those I've read about in the Word of God. Because we're just passing through. We're on a journey through this world of ours. This is not the end. And for those who are being martyred, for those who will die today for their faith, immediately they'll be in the presence of the living God. Wow! Man, do I wish it wouldn't happen? Absolutely. But will it happen? Absolutely. Why? Because the the God of this world, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, whatever you want to call him, he's out but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he's out to do. And so it's our battle. It's time. We have to fight. And we have to fight spiritually. We have to fight even through our spiritual realm. We have to go into the natural realm. Because our, our battle's not with flesh and blood. Sometimes you feel like it is, don't you? How many of you are married? Don't raise your hand. 
You're like, Lord, Jesus, I learned how to battle when I got married. Well, of course you did. But hear me. I mean, my wife and I, we've had some doozies. But you know what? We also fight for each other. We fight for our marriage. There are times when we fight. I mean, not like this, because I'd win. And there are some words that when we discuss loudly, there are some words we never use, ever, never been spoken in our marriage, 42 years. The word D-I-V-O-R-C-E does not exist in George and Suzanne Brantley's family. Doesn't exist. Not there. Doesn't exist. Have I ever wanted to send her to heaven early? Maybe, maybe once or twice. But that other word, it doesn't exist. And I would never really want that to happen. I'd just like the Lord to take me home if it gets that bad. Let her stay and deal with y'all. I mean... <laughs> But it's time that we know how to fight. So if God is father of our life, the only one true God, and his son Jesus, the Christ, is our Savior and our Lord, and we've been given the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit to live in us and to dwell in us, then hear me. There is absolutely nothing in this world that God calls you to do that you cannot accomplish. Everything he's called you to do by his Holy Spirit. You see, he's, he would never call you to do something that he didn't first grace you to do it. He's graced you. He's graced you in your marriage. He's graced you with your children, your grandchildren. He's graced you with your finances, your job. He's graced you to make a difference in this world. And we just happen to be living in a time in America right now where we have to begin to realize we got to rise up and be willing to get out of the safety zone and do whatever it takes to fight for our children and our children's children. We have to, we have to be willing to get up and fight. I think... The demons of hell messed up this year when they started messing with mama's children. And when stupid politicians stand and say to parents, you have no right in what we teach your kids. They done messed up. They woke up a sleeping giant. I watched a lady the other night when I was with Suzanne watching some news clips. I watched a lady being interviewed, and something about her spirit was just, it, it, it was, I was drawn to her. And she's talking about fighting for her children. She actually called them cubs, and, and she talked about Mama Bear and Papa Bear. You done messed up. When you mess with a mama bear's cub. And she's just going on about how just eight months ago at a school board meeting, she was told something and something rose up in her and said no. And she started fighting one person that has turned into a movement across states. And the person that was interviewing her asked her a question and, and because they kept trying to bring racism back into it. Now all of a sudden, you realize that. All of a sudden now, we're back to racist again. I like, I like, I don't know who he is. He's a black man. He wears a hat named Leo, Leo something. And uh, he, he's, I think he's a radio talk show host or something. But, 
I heard him for about 10 seconds the other day. Uh, boy, he was ripping the whole racist thing. It's time to let it die. And let's fight for each other. Everybody. Because everybody's life matters. Amen. Everybody's life matters. Everybody's life matters. But this woman said, well, I don't know how they would call me these things because, first of all, I'm a female, I'm Muslim, I'm single mom, a lifelong Democrat. But she said, they started messing with my cups. And she said, I couldn't sit on the sideline any longer. And I'm thinking as I'm listening and I'm hearing about what's going on from state to state and all of these parents, moms, dads. Did you hear the story a couple of weeks ago where somebody, there was a bit, bunch of big fights in a school and all of a sudden some dads, come on somebody. Man, I love that article. And, and somehow some dads got together and decided enough is enough. They got all these fights every day. People are getting arrested at the school. And these dads got together, I think it was like 43 of them, and the next day they just went to the school and they said, we're here, we're going to escort our kids to their classes, we're going to be in the hallways, and immediately that day there were no fights. There, there, there were no battles. All of a sudden, kids were happy, and, and, and they were, these dads were just roaming the halls, and they were escorting kids to their class, and they were doing what dads are supposed to do. Because it's time. I've been saying for generations, for decades, the greatest battle that we face in the world, in the church, in America, is not black against white. It's daddies that have been robbed out of their legal places, of rightful place, at the home. And because they have rejected and walked away from their wives and their children, and they left them uncovered and unprotected, we have generations of children, black, brown, and white, that are without dads. And because of it, we have a fatherless generation of children who don't know who they are. They have no identity. So when we offer them a relationship with God the Father, they think, well, if he's anything like my dad, why in the hell would I want that? They got to see God in us. You know, when I started, when we started this work in obedience to the word of the Lord, one of the first things I began to pray was that God would give me 30 righteous men that would walk in this house and stand. And then that grew from 30 to 300. And I still believe for mighty men of God, because the women of God, they're going to always be there. But men have been robbed from even knowing who they are. And because of it, they think spraying just realize there's a lot of children in here. They think because they can produce babies from multiple women that they're something. Dogs do that. But a father, father doesn't reject his children. Never. Never a father fights for his kids. Father fights for his family. And that, that's where we are today. It's time that we, the church, lead by example. It's time for us to be not afraid to talk about things that Holy Spirit puts in our heart. It's time for us to hear from the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastor slash teachers that are not afraid to speak the truth and will not allow the fear of losing their 501c3s by the government. That they're going to speak the truth no matter what. And can I tell you, I believe it's happening. 
I believe it's happening all over the world, but I know it's happening in America. There are mighty men of God standing up today with voices way bigger than mine and opportunities through the media and other realms, and they are beginning to call the people of God. And people of God are beginning to rise up and say, it doesn't matter if I'm Methodist or Baptist or Catholic or Assemblies of God or, or a rocket or you know whatever denomination or non-denomination. It's not about that. It's about being a part of the family of God. I believe we're living in a time where we might literally see the unity of the church begin to come together because the battle's going to be so strong that the only way we're going to survive is we're going to fight for each other. I mentioned last week, or maybe it was Wednesday, I don't remember. I, I mentioned sometime in the last seven days, I know that for a fact, that Pastor Mike from Greenhouse Church and myself had a phone conversation and we talked about the possibilities of doing some missions work, two churches together. Come on, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? We could start here in Gainesville because that would make the greatest impact. And then wherever God would take us. Imagine two houses. Imagine four houses. Imagine 10 houses. Beginning to say, can we walk together? Can we pray together? Imagine a prayer meeting where we just open up the doors and people from other churches began to come. And we, and, and we went to other churches and prayed with them. See, it's not all about them walking with us. It's about us walking together. It's time. I believe it's time. I mean, for 34 years here, I have wondered, God, how can we bring unity to the body of Christ? I don't know how in the natural. Because we always have something divisive. There's a pastor in this town that's retired now. And uh, he's a great man. And he's a man that I have highly admired for years. And I tried over 34 years to build a little bit of a relationship but there was always this religious line that kept us from being able to fellowship. But now all of a sudden, in the last few months, we spent two hours in the rock lobby having coffee and talking about the kingdom of God and doing ministry together and the bigness of the God we serve. Because it's time. It's time to break down barriers. It's time to not always have to be right. Even if you're right. Come on, somebody. It's time that we fight for faith. There's only one God. There's only one Lord. There's only one Savior. There's only one Christ. There's only one Holy Spirit. There's only one heaven. And we're all going to one place. Those who have surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time. It's time for the church to come out of the closet. It's time for some of us to do something with our faith more than just going to church and praying. Going to church and praying is powerful. That's, that's got to be the beginning. But I believe we're living in time, and I'm closing. I'm, I'm going to shut this down because I'm not even, I'm just closing. But hear me, it's time for some of us to get out of the four walls of safety, be it your home or the church, and go and let your voice be heard. There was a school board meeting in Alachua County three or four days ago. I didn't know about it till the day after. Read it in Jeff's article. And they voted one more time to disobey the laws, go against the law, and mask our children forcibly in school all day with what I have come to believe and agree with are nothing more than dirty snot rags when they've been on a kid's face. For six or eight hours a day. They're dirty. 
and they're not protecting our children who are already protected. But it's more than that. It's all about the reality that they can say, just like what's going on with our national leadership. It doesn't matter what the Constitution says. I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter what the state laws say. I'm going to do this. We're living in a time, as y'all get really quiet in here, and I feel the eyes. Hear me. Some of you need to be willing to get up and go down and sit for two or three hours in a school board meeting. Say, well, I don't have any kids in school. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Some of you need to go to county commission meetings. I had to quit going years ago because my blood boiled. I just wondered how people can be so stupid. I mean, honestly, I just wonder, how, how can you be so stupid? We, we vote stuff in that's, that's just stupid. Makes zero sense. But those are the people that we voted in to office. It's time to vote them out. I mean, it's time to vote them out. But to do that in a city like ours, you got to start talking. You got to start speaking. You got to start speaking about what matters. Family matters. Church matters. Kingdom of God matters. Parents' rights matter. Nobody has the right to tell you how to raise your kids. Nobody has the right to tell you what to inject in your children. Nobody. And yet we're living in a time where they're saying we do have a right. Don't you just wish you knew the truth? I, would just, I just wish I knew the truth about the vaccinations. I mean, I really do. I, I wish that they knew the truth. But I don't know that they do. Hasn't been proven. When we started taking care of kids and parents years ago with the polio vaccination, it had been well vetted. They knew what they were doing with confidence. I know I'm touching on some touchy-touchy stuff. This is what I want you to do. Get in a movement with God. Find out what God's saying. Pray, but be willing to do something. Get up and say, what can I do? And, and to be honest, I'm, I'm asking the Lord the same thing every day in my life. If I need to go down to a meeting and just let my presence be known, I'm going to go. I mean, if I'm willing to go to China, it take 38 hours to get there. Can I go downtown where it takes me 25 minutes to drive there, 15 minutes to find a place to park and sit through boring meetings for a few hours, but let your presence be known, your voice? We cannot sit around and then a few years from now go, wonder why that happened. It happened because we did nothing but pray. There's a time to pray then there's a time for words. James said it best. Show me your faith. Show you my words. Show me your faith because by your faith, your actions will line up with what you believe in your heart. So we're called. Man, do we need to pray. And man, do we need to have more powerful prayer meetings where more of you came to a prayer meeting. We need to pray first. But then after prayer, we need to be willing to go wherever he tells us to go. Do what he's called us to do. This is our country. We're going to fight for it or we're going to let him just take it away. It's time. Amen? Well, if you believe it's time for something, just stand to your feet. I mean, just it, time for anything. Time for supper, time for lunch. Get you to your feet. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for us as a leadership team. I'm praying for the other churches in our community, their leadership teams. I'm praying that whatever big, awesome thing God wants to do in our generation, that we're going to get to be a part of it. Amen? I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me. Where God is glorified. God is glorified. Jesus is Lord.
Bow your head, if you will. Father, in the name of the Lord, I just lift my hands before you to say thank you. It's time, I know, you're stirring us individually, you're stirring us as families, you're stirring us corporately. We stand, Father, against every spirit of fear, everything that would hinder us from stepping out, doing what we can to save babies, to stop abortion, to preach the good news of Jesus to those who are lost and hurting and sick and dying, that we would be the light that shines forth, that we'll not be ashamed to put our light upon that hill and let our lives speak, that we'll, we'll be about love, unconditional love, even to those, Father, who hate us and despise us and want to hurt us. Father, we want to be like Jesus. We want to forgive them and be a light that shines to them so that if there's ever a chance that their heart would be softened, that they would remember the love they saw in a person's life. I pray for every one of us in this room, young and old, black, white, red, yellow, polka dotted, Father, educated, uneducated, Father, those that were born in this nation and those that have come to live in this nation. I pray for us as a people that we will prepare ourselves for that which is greater than us. To do your will, oh God. So we declare your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth. That we will line up with that. We will walk in that. In Jesus' wonderful, powerful name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.